Hi, welcome to Financial Planning Explained, and I'm your host, Mike Menninger, Certified Financial Planner, owner and founder of Menninger & Associates Financial Planning. Uh, as I always note, I like for my shows to be educational in nature, and I do what I can to try to make it as entertaining as possible as well, and try to focus in on the six areas of financial planning. And today's guest is going to be talking about estate planning, however, with a little bit of a twist. It's kind of interesting. I'm really excited about my guest today. Um, my guest is Paul DeLowry, uh, who is an estate attorney, but also he is the founder and owner of Sudden Wealth Protection Law. And thank you very much for joining us today, Paul. Um, thank you for joining us. Mike, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Good, good, good. So um, the, the unique piece, we've talked a little bit before the show, and I found that it was very unique what you do. Um, so t tell me a little bit about yourself and your firm. Sure. Well, I'll just start off by saying that the, the basic theme of what I do professionally is unprepared heirs tend to lose their inheritance. Unprepared heirs tend to lose their inheritance. And that's, that's the reason for the name of my law firm. Uh, so we help families and business owners protect their assets and also empower their children to be responsible stewards of their wealth. So we, what we do is uh, a, a little bit beyond just typical wills and trusts and so on. We're, we're looking further out to make sure that the, the next generation or next generations actually receive the benefit of the inheritance. Right. And so you told me the story um, as to what motivated you to begin this uh, path do you care to share that story with the audience? I will, I will share it. And I, I have to say that this happened back in 2009. And it has taken me this long to really, I guess, own it and get over my feelings about it. But in uh, August 2009, I was standing in my father's house in Vancouver, Washington. And he, he had just been admitted to hospice, and I was looking at his uh, desk with a computer and printer on it, and on top of the printer was his last year's 2008 uh, federal income tax return. And at the bottom of the first page, it showed a $1.5 million passive income. And over the coming weeks, I realized that I was going to be inheriting his uh, $28 million estate. Wow. And the... Uh, then imagine that within five years, most of that was gone. Uh, and what happened is I experienced what's called sudden wealth syndrome. I, I was unprepared. I didn't know who to trust. I had intense emotions. I, uh, my father uh, died shortly after I met him. Uh, okay, oh, strange story. So, that is a very interesting story. So you had only <laughs> so my, just met yeah, him. Yeah, he was my biological father. So wow. he was basically, what's that? Wow, that's wow. Yeah, yeah. So he, yeah, he was my biological father, um, and he had been a Vietnam War vet. And just long story short, my mom, uh, he and my mom uh, had an argument um, shortly before I was born. He came back from leave. Uh, from serving in Vietnam, and um, uh, my mom announced that she was pregnant. He he was doing the math and didn't think that it was possible that it was his child, 
and they never got over that. She insisted on a quick divorce, and then uh, a couple years after uh, after I was born, my mom met uh, Henry DeLauri, so I have the last name DeLauri. Um, I was never adopted, though, so my you know I was still legally the son of um, you know, Paul Weist, who is the name of my biological father, and. Uh, yeah, it, it, anyway, what, what happened, uh, because it was a windfall for me, I was unprepared, I didn't know what to do with it, I had no foundation, uh, didn't know who to trust, I ended up trusting the wrong people, and I got into some private equity deals that sounded really exciting at the time, and um, yeah, they were basically con artists. I mean, a lot oh, of, I was going to ask I, you that. If, if there I were discovered that a lot of private equity deals are are not very sound investment. Really? And you have to be really careful. Did they find you or did you find them? Oh, we kind of found each other. I, I So my father got his, made his money from penny stocks. Oh, um, interesting. And okay. so I thought, well, shoot, I can learn how to invest also. And and I, you know, I thought that there was some fast track to learning how to invest and there isn't. Um, oh, that's the fast track. That's one fast track way of learning is the hard way. Just so you know. And by the <laughs> so way, I, I, I was track, yes. I jokingly say there's a reason why these stocks are worth only a penny. But anyway, you know, every once in a while you hit a home run and it sounds like your biological father did that. However, oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, I, yeah. I mean, he spent years studying it and he was really smart. But, well, good. Um, but, but let me tell you how it impacted me. So losing the money, I mean, aside from obviously losing the money, um, it, it, that was not how it mostly impacted me. Uh, the first thing was I felt ashamed because m most of the people around um, assume or they imagine that if they came, if they won the lottery, uh, they would make good choices. Right. And it, it, it's just this idea that people have. Um, and so that, that's who I was surrounded by. I was surrounded by people who assumed that they would have done a better job and Listen, I lost relationships. I, I lost relationships with family and friends um, over it, maybe from jealousy or different things, and or we just couldn't relate anymore. Um, I was angry at the you know supposed in investment people mm -hmm. uh, who are just you know using my money to uh, enrich themselves, um, and I, I felt I felt lonely uh, and isolated because I I didn't know. Like, I, I didn't know who to talk to, and it took right. me years. Also, I lost time. Uh, it took me years to get my feet back on the ground, like, figure out who I am, get my pride back, and be able to move forward. So I lost the three things that are most important to people. I lost time. I, la I lost money, obviously. And I lost my reputation and quality of life and relationships with people. Right. Um, That's a sad story. Have you it, recovered it, it, most it, it, of them? And, it all, and it's all because my father, I, I mean, okay, at, at one level it's because my father didn't have an estate plan. But, and actually a well-done estate plan, I, I don't just mean like a legal Zoom trust or something, but a well-done estate plan where uh, I could have been allowed a grieving time, like a, a period of time to, to get right. used to the fact that I had uh, a bunch of... Um, that my net worth was, you know, a lot more than it used to be. Right. Um, that w would have made a huge difference. And, and that, then also just some steps to, pre to prepare me. So I had like a, so, so I would have had a sense of, um, uh, 
um, what is it, stewardship over the money. Well, that's very interesting. I could see um, three different categories of people who would fall into that. First and foremost, people who win the lottery. Okay, I haven't won the lottery yet, but then again, I would imagine that my chances would improve if I actually played it, but that's a separate issue. Yeah. Um, that's what I've heard. Lottery winners. Um, I could see athletes, um, actors, I suppose, uh, sure. there, and also people receiving inheritances, just like you did. And For you know, sure. a lot of the folks that, that I work with, um, you know, their children have no idea what they're worth, and they don't really want them to know. But you know, one of the things that I could see may have helped, and I think about this, and, and you're actually the only person I've ever met which, that had this happen to them. And you know, I always say that you know, if, if I received that kind of money, and I reference as an 18-year-old or a 21-year-old, I probably would not have handled it properly. But you are even older, and that is a very valuable lesson that should be uh, portrayed to folks like that you deal with, the, my clients that I deal with, because one of the things that we do with our trusts is that we have the money staggered as to when their beneficiaries can receive it and call it the three-strike plan. You know, if you give them a bunch of money when they're 30, Okay, if they blow it, at least they have strike two and get another piece at 40. And if they blow it again, at least hopefully by age 50, that they'll at least have realized after two strikes. And if they blow it the third time, well, they were probably designed, you know, destined to blow mm -hmm. it. But, you know, I think it's great that you're able to be able to talk about it. And more importantly, you know, it's the next step is to be able to uh, take your life lesson and apply it. So you apply it to both a estate planning, because you're an estate attorney, but didn't you also say that you have a second business that is designed to consult for the recipients? Well, that's right. So what I've discovered is that there's a, how do I say it? Uh, there's, there's estate planning, which is the goal to pass the wealth to the next generation. Correct. Um, that's not always the same as how to successfully transfer wealth. And now I know they sound the same, but they're not the same. Right. So, uh, and let me use an analogy or, or kind of a story. Yes, so please do. Stories are always good. Okay. Imagine that you want to get some eggs. So you go to the grocery store, you go to the egg section, and you open, you know, the carton. Make sure all the eggs are okay. And you, you go to the checkout line, you pay for the eggs, put them in the little flimsy plastic bag, and then you drive home and you, you um, get your flimsy plastic bag with the eggs out, um, out of the car. And just as you start entering into the house, uh, the bag breaks. Well, that's actually considered the gold standard of estate planning, meaning uh, you got the eggs into the house. And just like... Um, just like the grocery store doesn't really care what happens to the eggs once you get to the house. You know, that's really your responsibility. Traditional estate planning also doesn't really care what ha what the next generation does with it. And so the, the, the le legal instruments that people talk about, wills and trusts and powers of attorney, um, that's merely intended to get things to the next generation. Now you talk about like 
three strikes or uh, doling money out in, in uh, tranches. That that's actually a really good idea. It's it's a um, so so it's a passive idea, but it, but at least the idea is that people will learn on their own, right? Um, how, and you know, hopefully, uh, be better with the money when they get it the next time. Um, so the reason to answer your question, the reason for having a consulting company is um, one of one of the other areas of disconnect is as an estate planning attorney, I have to be really clear on who my clients are. My clients are typically mom and dad. Correct. Um, often they're a business owner, professional, something like that. Um, and my clients cannot be the kids, typically, because there's a conflict of interest. Of course. Um, but but that. That creates problems then if, if we're trying to deal with especially a large amount of money being transferred down to future generations. So um, when working with uh, families, I'll take off the lawyer hat and put on the consulting hat. And that allows me to work more holistically and deal with feelings and relationship issues and all of that stuff. So are you telling and actually, me? And it works, it works the best. You, you were talking about how a lot of clients don't want to talk about um, how much money they have, that's actually a recipe for disaster. So so as a consultant, I'm able to help facilitate the conversation because so it's, it's really hard parents as, to do that. as right. mom or dad to, uh, you know, have that conversation. And they're still mom and dad, and so they're still um, not sure, you know, how to do it. And it, so it, it, it allows us to um, help facilitate that conversation, and we've had a lot of luck with that. Well, that's good. That's good. And so at what point in time do you begin the conversation with the children? Do you do that while the parents are still alive? Oh, oh, my I mean, God, that seems yes. the best Absolutely. time to do it. Yeah. Good. Well, well, because if problems arise because uh, kids have different ideas in their minds about um, who is supposed to get what or what was the money for or... What, we're, are we supposed to keep the vacation house or sell it, or is uh, is the middle child really supposed to move into the vacation house and just keep living there? I mean, there's all these things, and uh, th that's the kind of stuff that causes litigation. And sure. it's it's much kinder to the next generation to um, have, to these have discussions difficult conversations up front. Absolutely. Hey, Paul. Uh, believe it or not, we're up against break already. So okay. uh, this is terrific conversation, and Great. we'll pick this up. Uh, stay tuned. We'll be back with you in just one moment. Great. Have you saved enough for retirement? Are you financially prepared for an emergency or unexpected event? Have you thought about your financial future? Hi, I'm Mike Manager, founder of Manager & Associates Financial Planning. For over 20 years, we have been answering our clients' questions just like these as we develop unique and comprehensive financial plans tailored to meet their needs. When addressing your financial plan, we incorporate your entire financial picture, including taxes, estate planning, as well as investment planning and retirement planning. So call us today for a complimentary, no-obligation consultation. A unique approach to financial planning. Welcome back to Financial Planning Explained. And I'm here with my guest, Paul DeLowry, 
who is a very unique estate planner. And where we left off before the break, we were talking about how you try to facilitate the discussion to get the parents to involve the children. And I can already see, you know, and I've seen this unfortunately, where, you know, when the estate transfer process, not even the process, but when there ends up being arguments between the descendants, uh, you really hate to see a family break up over money, but we all know that money is a real source of being able to do something like that. So how do you broach it with parents who are less reluctant to uh, involve their children in the estate plan? How do you go about doing that? Well, if, if, the, if the parents care about uh, what happens to the inheritance, what happens when their kids or grandchildren get the money or whatever they're inheriting, then it's just a matter of um, educating them. Right. I mean, uh, like I said at first, um, unprepared heirs tend to lose their inheritance. And, you know, if you just think about people you know in your life, like how many of them are still managing and investing money that their grandparents made? Uh, not that many. Yeah. So it, 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 tend, it tends to get lost. Right. Now, there, there are families that, that keep it going. Um, oftentimes, they're, oftentimes, those are families that have a business. Oh, um, I can see a but, challenge but, but, there. What's that? I, I can see an, a challenge there. Oh, for sure. But, but to answer your question, um, how, to how to motivate them or how to talk to um, parents about this issue, I mean, if, if, they, care, if they care about what what happens to the money if they want it to benefit the family for a longer period uh then then it, it you know then that's it that part of what's needed is communication and um and specifically um so how, how do you how do you actually can i go off into the next topic i think the next topic is how do you actually start bridging the gap well, yeah, and then, then talking to the kids. I mean, bridging the gap, basically you, you answered the question right there, is you need to be able to get the parents to buy in, which is you educating the parents because, you know, and you can speak from experience, but you can educate the parents to the importance of getting the children involved. So now when you have the discussion with the children, I would imagine it's also an educational process to them. Once again, you know, you're sharing your life experience to make sure that they don't make the same mistakes because, like you said, it's not just the loss of money. The, all of the emotions that go with it can actually be more catastrophic, and it wouldn't surprise me if that creates a lot of suicides. Have you heard any statistic on that? Oh, well, I... I don't know about actual statistics, but I know that I've seen it even in my own clients, and I, I've just seen it in people that I've known. I think I've um, heard a statistic yeah, that 95% Drug addiction, suicide, all kinds of uh, things. I've heard 95% of the people who win the lottery are bankrupt within five years. Right. And that probably right. goes hand in hand with what you're discussing. So you oh, have a, sure. a, a separate consulting company that works with the people, and hopefully you catch them before they receive the money, because after they receive the money, they're probably, I don't want to say egotistic or arrogant, but once they receive the money, they're rather excited. Look at all this money yeah. I got, right? It, it, exactly. Yeah, the person's mindset changes. And, and um, 
someone coined the term sudden wealth syndrome, and that's basically what it is. It's, right. it's this identity crisis that, um, so subconsciously, they're still the person that they were. They're still the paycheck-to-paycheck paycheck person, and that's what it was for me. Um, but then there's a di- disconnect between that, like who, who I see myself in, in internally, and the fact that there's a bunch of money in the bank or the TD Ameritrade account or whatever. Right. Um, and, and it's that, and the, the sub, subconscious ends up just sabotaging the person. That, that's what happened to me. So, I, you know, I can absolutely see that. So now the challenge that you broached just a few moments ago, and, and we're actually, this will probably be the last topic. When you have a business, a closely held business, you know, a lot of times what happens is that, um, the value of the business is in the owner of the business. And if they've done a good job of not only estate planning, but business continuity and business succession planning, then the value of the business continues to get passed on to the children. And, you know, we've experienced this with a large business in our area, grocery store chain. I don't want to name it. But what do you do in the case of some of the kids are in the business and some of them aren't? That creates a challenge. Well, that, yeah, I, I mean, that, that certainly is an issue that needs to be talked about. But I, I want to address something because uh, you, you mentioned um, keeping a business in the family. And, and this is, frankly, keeping any, any wealth in the family. Sure, you can have an estate plan. Sure, you can have a financial plan. Sure, you can have a great CPA and some life insurance. But the, the missing essential element is... How do you pass the values on to the next generation? How do you teach the, the the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth generation to be stewards of that? Right. And that um, there's been research, um, families that or ch- children and grandchildren who um, know family stories, who understand family stories, uh, are much more likely to have a sense of stewardship and, and to be careful with what they receive and. Now, there are three different kinds of family stories. You have the you have the one version where we were really poor and everything got better. You know, our our grandparents and uh, parents uh, made money and now we're rich. Uh, then there's the other version where uh, we had a bunch of money generations ago and now we don't have so much. Uh, you know, like where there's a d- downward trajectory. Yeah, that's and then tougher. frankly, the better version is just the realistic one that. Uh, Grandma and grandpa had some struggles and they had some good times and they had some bad times, but they stuck it out and they had a work ethic. And then, you know, the parents did the same thing. Uh, They had some good times and they had some bad times and the money went up and the money went down, but they stuck it out. And, uh, and, you know, that's, that's really what real life is about. And having stories where they, even wealthy, Wealthy families or uh, families that I work with will put together books, actual, like an actual book, bound, you know, like really nice book with family stories of the grandparents or family stories hmm. of the, uh, the the parents or, you know, going going back and so on. And th- that's just a beautiful way. I, I found that, that those families tend to just keep plugging along generation after generation because they have a strong sense of who they are. So like I say. Absolutely. Yeah. And particularly if you're dealing with family businesses that the subsequent generations were participating in the business. For sure. You know, so they have, you know, a sense of pride and potentially watched you're growing up as a kid. They watched their grandparents and then they watched their parents in the business. And next thing you yeah. know, they're in the business. 
So yeah. I could certainly see that. But you know, I also see, too, that the transition of wealth to that particular generation is probably going to be smoother because they watched it grow and participated in its growth as opposed to it just falling onto their lap, more like in the lines of the lottery. You know, the lottery is the perfect example. You know, and I've had that go through my mind. What would I do if I won the lottery? And I think about all of the people, you know, paying off. I can only think about how many people's mortgages I'm paying off and everything else just to help them out. But then, you know, where do you draw the line? And, and you know, is everybody going to be standing at the front door? Is their phone ringing all the time? And, you know, you give to one charitable organization, they notify every other charitable organization. And I can just see how... Uh, wealth can actually be a hassle. So, anyway. Oh, yeah. Is oh, there yeah. anything the, else you'd like uh, to add? Because we're out of time, Paul, and is there anything else that you'd like to add? Well, sure. I, I guess just to close, um, yes, having a lot of wealth can be a hassle. Just And it's there's a transition of finding people that you can trust. And it's so important just to find some people that you can trust and frankly, to take your time. If, if you're, if you come into a sudden inheritance or a sudden windfall, you just need to take some time. And one thing I would, I wish I would have done is locked up some of the money in an irrevocable trust and have yeah. a, um, a independent trustee just manage it, even just 20% of it or, you know, something, because in my mind, I thought I, I was a great investor and until it was all gone. Right. <laughs> Hindsight is twenty twenty. Hey, yeah. Paul, this was absolutely terrific. It's very educational, very emotional, quite frankly. Uh, it'd be very difficult. You know, what I'd like you to do, if you could, take a few seconds and, uh, and just tell people how they might be able to get a hold of you in the event that, you know, they're in a position where they want to transfer wealth, they want to be able to, or they just received uh, sudden wealth. Take a moment and just... Tell us how people can reach you. Oh, yeah, thank you. So just you can go to our website. It's Sudden Wealth Protection Law, and I think it's on the screen. But Sudden Wealth Protection Law, phone number is 602-443-4888. And you can also shoot me an email at paul at suddenwealthprotectionlaw.com. Terrific. Well, thank you very much, Paul, and I hope all of the viewers enjoyed this. This is a very interesting, uh, very interesting episode. Of course, you know, it doesn't apply to everyone, but guess what? It applies to everyone, really, because you know, it may not be 14 million, it may not be 100 million. Fact of the matter is, is that if you receive an inheritance or any type of windfall, it doesn't matter how much it is. If it's a lot to you, it's a lot. And therefore, what it really boils down to, uh, Paul hit the nail on the head, what you really need to do is surround yourself with trusted people, whether it's financial advisors, accountants, family, friends, you need people with whom you can trust to help guide you from making good or towards making good decisions. I thank you very much for joining my show. I hope you have a wonderful day and a wonderful week. Thank you very much. And I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Thanks,